0: Here's another Bible study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. So we're in the book of John today, chapter 7. And the verses that I read earlier this morning um, were John seven thirty-seven, 37. And um, these are Jesus' words. In that last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. In John 7 38, Jesus says, He that believeth on me, as scripture hath said, out of his belly shall, show, shall flow rivers of living water. So, a, a call to those who are thirsty, a call to those that will come to Jesus. And drink. and a promise for those that believe on him, out of them, out of the belly, shall flow rivers of living water. So we cannot live without God saying so. Without God we do not exist. He sustains our life. He alone rescues our life. He alone redeems our life. He alone renews our life. He alone gives us purpose in life. He alone keeps our life forever, and without him, we are thirsty. I was speaking with my friend Dan before service, and Dan's a farmer here in the area. A newborn calf cannot live without milk. In fact, within four to six hours or so, it needs that colostrum, it needs milk to live. It'll die within a day without those precious fluids. For our beef farmer here, if there's an orphan calf, he's got to get out there to rescue it. And it's a rescue story. Finding and rescuing the thirsty orphan calf and giving it a uh, milk replacer, if need be, and a it with its mother, or else the calf will be lost. Human babies, us, are like that too. We need milk right from the get-go. And not until about six months into life do babies start drinking a little bit of water. And in fact, you know, all milk contains about 87% water. So right from birth that precious solution that God's giving us, there's water in it, and that water is sustaining life. And water is essential to life. So think about your brain for a minute. It's about three-fourths water. Your blood, about eight three-fourths water. Your heart, four-fifths water. Your bones, your muscles, your liver, all those things that God gave us. And and what does water do for us? Well, it does a lot of things. Um, It forms saliva, um, regulates the body temperature. It acts as a shock, shock absorber for our brain and our spinal cord. And it helps deliver oxygen all over the body. It lubricates the joints and allows the body cells to grow, reproduce, and survive, along with a lot of other things. We need water. But yet there's about 700 plus million people in the world that don't have clean water. And there's probably about 4 billion people that may have about a month out of the year that are at risk of not having a continual flow of water, scarcity of water. And again, without water, we die. So the same holds true spiritually. Without Jesus, we thirst spiritually while living on earth. And eventually we will all physically die on earth. The only problem is death is temporary. God gave us a soul, however, that lasts forever. Even though we die on earth, our souls continue. When Jesus returns, he'll give us new bodies for eternity, be paired with our souls. But for those that reject the water, Jesus freely gives. While on earth, God will judge them to the worst thing possible. Eternal separation from, the, from him in a place called hell Without Jesus, we die. And whoever suffers spiritual thirst on earth, yet rejects the life-giving water of Jesus while living here on earth, that person will be cut off from God for eternity. For we read in John chapter 3, verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. In Matthew ten twenty-eight, And fear not, them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell." So if we take a look at this image, uh, what do you see? Uh, A dry world map. And around us in the news a lot we're hearing about climate change. And you think climate change is scary, just think for a minute about hell. For the sake of comparison, it's reported that Earth's temperature has raised, been raised since 1880 by about 0.14 degree Fahrenheit every 10 years since 1880, and since 1980, about double that. So imagine, since 1880 to 2022, 142 years, the Earth supposedly has raised over two degrees Fahrenheit. So how does that compare to the heat of a campfire? It's about 600 degrees Fahrenheit. What about molten lava? That's about 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit. What about hell? It's going to get a lot hotter. For anyone going to hell, it's going to get a lot hotter. And many people today are more preoccupied with climate change and disasters of weather events than the big picture that God gives us in his word, the Bible. Understandably, it's easy to be distracted and concerned by events on earth because we're all affected by weather. And starvation and thirst is a real deal, where drought and famine rage. Um, people are suffering. That's true. However, if we forget about God and that he made this earth, that he alone sustains this earth, and that he alone will deliver the people from this earth, as the earth dies, which it certainly will, then we'll lose the perspective on what life is ultimately all about. God gives eternal, heavenly life to only those who believe in his son Jesus. Jesus. Those that don't drink that message in faith while still living on earth will be judged and sent eternally in full consciousness to a place called hell. And, friends, this is going to far surpass the temporary consequences of climate change. Our souls, the thing we should all care about more than anything else, will continue forever. So what is the climate condition of your soul today? God points out that we'll all be hypocrites in the last day. If we go to Luke chapter 12, verse 56, it states, You know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? Why, why do we do this? Because Satan is deceiving us, and he's making us, making us focus on the lesser heat. When we take our eyes off of God and his word, we quickly forget what he has promised. Earth is not some fairy tale, and neither is hell. Hell is not some fantasy story to scare you into believing in God. Hell is real. And God made hell for a reason. Since he's perfect, he has to contend with sinful rebellion. And the way he does that is to vanquish the foe, the enemy, with eternal punishment, separating the wheat from the chaff and keeping it separate for eternity. So what's the thirstiest you've ever been? Just think about it for a minute. It's the thirstiest you've ever been. Now imagine that for eternity. Only incredibly worse. With absolute zero hope, being cut off from God forever. No bail, no get out of jail. You're there. Thirsty, spiritually dead, eternally damned. How thirsty do you have to be to call God for his water? <clears throat> if we go to Revelations fourteen eleven, Smoke of the torment ascendeth up Forever. Revelations 21.8 But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Revelations 20.10 The devil that deceived them was thrown in the lake of fire. Matthew 13.50 And shall cast them into the furnace of fire there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And Psalm 145, 20, The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. Hell's a real deal. Jesus said in John 7:37, in the last day of the feast, at the time Jesus said this, Jewish leaders were looking to kill him. Um, Jesus' brothers have been pressing him to go big time. Go show the world all your impressive um, miracles so more people, more disciples will know what you're about and will believe you and raise you up here on earth. But that's not what Jesus was about. In fact, he went to the festival, uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles, secretly. He didn't want it to be known. And when he showed up, he started teaching. And when he was teaching, he said these words that we read this morning. And he made the statement we read in verses 37 through 38. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. So if you're thirsty, I see a number of you have coffee cups in your hand, maybe some water cups. What do you do when you're thirsty? Yeah, you drink. Good job, Callum. So, yeah, refreshment. Uh, In Numbers chapter 21 through 13, you can read more of this account. But It's the Feast of the Tabernacles. God provided Israelites water in the wilderness. The Feast of the Tabernacles included pouring out of water to celebrate what God had given the Israelites in the wilderness. I found a really cool article that was written back in 1989 by someone named Fred Collette. And he said, On the last day of the great day of the feast, the water libation reached its climax. The priest circled the altar seven times and then poured out the water with great pomp and ceremony. This was Hoshana Rabbah, the great Hoshayana, which is translated, Save Now. We find a significant mention of Hoshana Rabbah in the New Covenant book of John, chapters including what we read this morning. It was on this day, the last great day of the feast, possibly just as the water is being poured out, that Jesus stood up and boldly proclaimed to the celebrants, If a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. So imagine, as it's written by Fred here, imagine the uproar his statement must have caused. The priest had just poured out the water libation as an appeal to the creator God to provide water for the people. And yet Jesus, as if to answer the prayer, stands there and tells the people to come to him for water. What a radical statement and a shocker to the crowd. So Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So what about us? As we gather here today at Calvary Chapel, which one of these sheep here in this image are you? Um, Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yeah, we've all gone our own way in life. Um, we have sinned. And sin can create some drought-like conditions in life, right? Um, if left unrepented and you have habitual sin, um, it can lead to severe spiritual drought, um, drought that leads to death. And yet anyone that thirsts can call on the one God that can take away our thirst and remove our sins, and that, that person is Jesus. So what is the ultimate last day? Um we read in Matthew 12:36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they give an account therefore in the day of judgment. Are we ready for judgment? How thirsty are you? Matthew 24, 40 through 44 Watch therefore, for you know not what hour, Lord, doth come. Second Timothy 1-5, This know also that in the last day perilous times shall come. Luke chapter 21, 25 through 26. And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth. Distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves are roaring. Does it sound like climate change? Um, Are we closing in the last day? 2 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Knowing this first, that there there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lusts. And then Matthew twenty four fourteen, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall come the end. Are we in the last days? There appears to be signs all over the place. Everywhere is it getting hotter. Are you thirsty? And if today is your last day, it's your last day. Some of us have been mourning the death of a loved one, And some of us are facing our own death due to terminal illness. I know you're battling for your life, and we're praying for you and with you. So what do we do? At what point do we get so thirsty we just cry out for help? When you're in the desert of sin and rebellion and facing unescapable death, at what point do you just cry out, I'm thirsty. Jesus, I need your help. Help me. Imagine a desert. When I was a kid, um, and maybe even still today, a mirage was kind of a curious thing. And so I looked up the definition of mirage, and it's, it's basically an optical illusion caused by atmospheric conditions, especially the appearance of a sheet of water in a desert or in a hot road caused by the refraction of light from the sky by heated air. Okay, that's a long-winded definition. But I remember the old Western movies, if any of you have watched them. There would be a doomed cowboy Oh in the desert where his canteen was bone-dry, empty, and all he could do was crawl on his hands and knees looking for water. And then out of nowhere, there'd be an oasis, or would it simply be a mirage? And, uh, you know, the mind for us human beings, it plays tricks on us too, doesn't it? When sin continues, the mind is weak, and Satan controls us sinners even more. Satan tells a sinner, look here, something better than water. You don't feel your thirst if you just do this instead. You name it. You know what I'm talking about. Sin corrupts 100% of the time. And medicating sin rather than treating the root cause of sin is sure to kill 100% of the time. So imagine that cowboy out there finding water. When we confess with our tongues that we're sinners, we drink from God's word and his promises, and he satisfies our thirst in a perfect way, in a better way, in a holy way. And just like the cowboy in that movie when he finds a genuine spring of water and he begins to lap it up out of his hands or simply falls face first in it, refreshed, renewed, not thirsty, only God can do that. So I say, be thirsty and drink. Psalm 118, verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Sheep, call out for your help. Like lost sheep. Without a good shepherd, we'll continue to be lost. We need him. Psalm 63, 1. A Psalm of David. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, come unto me. And how do you come unto Jesus? What what did David do here in this verse? Early I will seek thee. My soul thirsteth for me. If you're in a dry and thirsty land like all of us sinners are, where the waters of this world don't quench the thirst, then we go to Jesus. Seek him and go. And drink. And how do we drink? Uh, Last week, do you remember what Pastor did for all of us? He gave us a challenge. Do you remember what that challenge was? Anyone? Next year, what's the challenge? Read the Bible. Bible. How much of the Bible? All All of the Bible. So I encourage all of us. um, Maybe I'll hold you all accountable. How many of you are committed to that in your journals? So I'm seeing a few of you, about half of us. Let's all go for this this, uh, challenge and read the word. Exodus 17, 1 through 7 Remember when the Israelites argued with Moses as they set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded? They camped in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. And they simply cried for water. And they probably started whining and complaining and begging. And do you ever, you ever hear those noises amongst us? I know I do that sometimes. And they said, why do you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children livestock die of thirst? And so Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. God told Moses, Strike the rock, and water will come out of, out of it for the people to drink. Wow. Who is that rock? I remember Pastor teaching this about a year ago too, right? I mean, thank you, Pastor, for teaching us God's word. We're using it. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, what does it say? And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So what does Scripture say? Isaiah 41:18, I'll open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I'll make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. And Isaiah 32, 1 through 2, Behold, the king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary, weary land. I like this image. It's a peaceful image to me. I know it's someone uh, put this together on a computer, but it, it, it really reminds me of Isaiah 43, 19 through 21. And it says this, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know, know it? I'll even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons, the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen people. Jesus said out of his belly. And what is the belly? Um, the belly is our inward um, parts, our idiom for our mind, spirit, and soul. And Jesus said, shall flow rivers of living water. In verse 39, Jesus speaks to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost would be given to those that believe when Jesus was glorified. Jesus stated, Out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water, meaning the life-giving water of the Holy Spirit. John 4.14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall in him be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Isaiah 12.3, Therefore with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation, and Revelations 21.6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'll give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. So Jesus said, flow. And your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, will flow. So, who is thirsty and who needs help? There's at least 170, 117 instances of the word help in the King James Version, the one I'm using right here today. Psalm 121 is an example. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Psalm 38, 22, make haste to help me, O Lord, my, my salvation. Hebrews 4, 16, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And Mark 9, 24, and straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe Help thou mine unbelief. Hebrews 13.6, so that that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. So God gave us help when he created us. And he's provided for us ever since. Even though there is sin in the garden, there is a fall of man, the sin of man, he sent a savior to die for us. His name is Jesus. He came to be our help and for us to be the help to others. And Christianity is not a spectator sport by any means. There's some real thirsty needs in the world right now. Unborn babies, born babies, children, young adults, elderly adults, dying, orphans, widows, hungry, thirsty, cold, sick, jobless, scattered sheep. There's 80 million refugees in the world right now. There's 500 million orphans. And yet sometimes we're just too proud to ask for help. And sometimes we don't even know we need help. There might be mental illness or something like that going on. And sin says to me, I don't need help. You know, like the two-year-old that says, do it myself? That could be the same thing for a 72-year-old or a 52-year-old. Do it myself. Well, in truth, I need help, and I need help to believe. Mark 9, 24 says, help my unbelief. And just simply ask God if you need that kind of help. God is the source of help. God gave us help. He made us to help. He gave us son to help. He gave us his spirit to help. He gave us this church to gather, get, and then go. Are we that place here? I've seen it. And I know we can do more of it. And it's the Holy Spirit working through us that compels us to go these, through these things to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Matthew 10, 4, 42. And whoever so shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So it's a new season here in the United States. Just past Thanksgiving. We're anticipating Christmas and all the good things that comes with it, but not everyone here celebrates Christmas in this world. There's over 2 billion Christians, or so it's reported. I mean, only God really knows who believes, right? And that's a a statistic, that's a number. There's about 8 billion people in the world right now, but the, the truth be told, the majority of people in this world don't believe in Jesus. And we need to get out there and share some good news. So my challenge upon the pastor's challenge of reading the word last week is to do this. If you just take a note and list one person that you know of that long list of needs that we have in this world, someone that might need help, and maybe you're the one that needs help, but even when we're in need of help, we can be help to others. Always through faith and through prayer, we can be help to others. So I would say find a piece of paper and a pen and write down the name of someone that needs help. And then give that help. Share the good news. Because the greatest need we all have is Jesus. And as you bless them with food or water or clothes or just a listening ear, um, spending time with them, tell them about Jesus. Because Jesus is the one satisfying the thirst that we all have. And unless the world hears about him, we'll never know. John 4, 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Go and tell the good news. Share it boldly. Help people with their earthly needs. And as you do that, tell them the good news about the eternal needs that they have been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Show them his word. flow and praise his holy name. Psalm 117. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Thirst, drink, flow. We have a Savior that satisfies our thirst. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for sending you to earth. God, we pray. Thank you for sending you, Jesus, to earth. And we praise your holy name. We're so happy to celebrate Christmas season as a body of believers united in your Holy Spirit. Lord God, Jesus, flow out the good news this season from us everywhere we go, sharing the message of salvation. Jesus, thank you for loving us, living for us, dying for us, and saving us. You endure forever and make a home for us in heaven forever. Thank you for that, Jesus. We celebrate you. Amen.